Well, good morning, everyone. The, the memories are just flowing on this trip to Edmonton here this morning to go be with my cousin as my skunkle goes for surgery. So I'm going to do another one here. That's the nice thing about me doing this as raw as I do and off my phone. I know the quality isn't the greatest, but working full-time, having the three teenagers, a wife that truly works too fucking hard and too damn much, life is just absolutely hectic. Um... So I just want to say thanks to everybody for liking it, even though it is really raw. And just know that these stories aren't the person that I am today. Um, A big part of the reason why I do this is I remember always wanting to hear the stories about my grandfather and my mother over and over again but now that they're gone I don't get to hear those stories again so having them out here on the podcast like this my kids and my grandkids will always be able to hear them if they want to so a huge thank you to everybody who listens and keeps me going on this uh I got really tied up in the whole subscribers and downloads and all that for a little while. It was almost consuming me and overwhelming me. So I've said, fuck it, I don't really care. I check it once in a while. So whatever is what it is. But, uh, oh, excuse me. And that was not a beer burp. That was a good morning coffee burp. Because, like I said, it's 4.30 in the morning. I'm driving into the city. And we're going to start this one off a little bit different now. Uh, Get over and check out the Dusty Shed Wood Company, okay? Our trial sponsorship with them is almost up. Send them a message. Let them know that you heard about them on the tales of a messed up northern boy or just heard about you from the messed up northern boy let them know that it is attracting more people to their page they have told me they've had a few more likes so that's awesome keep that up guys thank you very much let's toss them a little more business uh christmas time is coming and this side hustle for them really helps make Christmas a good thing for their kids. Alright, and now we are going to go back to the first time I ever smoked meth. Yeah, that's right. So I was living in an apartment building complex that the main floor had townhouses or condos whatever you want to call them and then apartments up on the second or up on the it would have been third and fourth floor and we were living in a townhouse i was living with stretch and his girlfriend at the time 
and stretch they had been in and out of the drug scene really bad for quite a while and he'd been doing really good for a long time and then he met up with an old friend of his that lived up on the fourth floor I believe it was and they started smoking meth and the one night we were drinking we were down in the basement because Stretch's girlfriend was upstairs in bed sleeping in the up on the second floor so we were downstairs doing our thing drinking and everything else and then uh, the meth come out and I'd never tried it before and I was like fuck it why not right well I want to start here and say I'm clean haven't touched meth in oh fuck 16 years I would say at least I have fallen off the wagon and done a little bit of blow cane and stuff like that since but I don't think I've ever touched meth since I walked away from it but I'd never had a ringer before in my life I had heard everybody talk about it I didn't get a ringer from cocaine I didn't get a ringer from any of the other drugs I had done so I was like ringers don't exist that because to me you always hear that you catch a ringer and that's going to be your drug well I'll tell you right now if you catch a ringer off of anything stay the fuck away from it because if you catch a ringer that is going to be the best high you will ever get off of it and you're always hunting for that ringer again and you'll never get it so I remember the boys were explaining to me how to smoke it how to smoke a puddle in our little pipe and well I take my fucking big haul off of it I exhale and like I said I'd never had a ringer before didn't know what a ringer was well, there was little rings around the light bulbs in the basement, and there was a weird little hum that I heard in my ears. It was almost fucking euphoric. That is the only time that I can ever say I actually truly enjoyed a meth high. I know it's a horrible thing to say, that I enjoyed it, but I did. I really, really enjoyed that high. And that was my slippery slope with the math was catching that ringer, I guess. And, uh, yeah. Meth is one hell of a drug. I remember when I was or I was a roofer and I was messed out of my head and doing new construction roofs in multi-million dollar neighborhoods 
jumping into a new construction home and smoking a puddle and getting back up on the roof and going. Like, that shit consumes your life. I'm one of the lucky ones that managed to hold a job and not lose everything before I got out of it. But it's one hell of a drug. Um, One of the last times I actually remember a good fucking run on the meth was McQuagmire. He was living with me and he was asking what it was like. And at that time, I didn't know how to explain it to anybody. And he said he wanted to do it. And I was already thinking about trying to get off of it at this time. I was like, no, you're not doing it. He's like, well, I just want to do a little bit. I just want to see what it does. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, nope. And he kept pushing and pushing and pushing. We were drinking. And I actually looked at him and said, fine, if you're not going to drop it, that's fine. But if you're going to do it, you're going to do it like I do it. Because my thought was, I'm going to get you so fucked out of your head, you are never going to want to touch it again. So we did a bunch of it, and we grabbed a bottle of whiskey, I think, and went out and started driving around on the back roads and stuff. I was so out of it. I actually was playing with my dick in the passenger seat of his truck as we were driving around. And neither one of us cared. That's how fucking out of it we were. But after our cruising around and shit was done, and I'd already been partying for a couple of days, we got back to the house... And he's like, what do we do now? What do we do now? Just fucking speeded right out on this meth. And I was like, well, I'm done. I'm going to bed. And I went and I crashed for 24 or 36 hours, something like that. Back in the day, that was nothing to pass out for two or three days if I'd been partying hard for a week or two. Well, I woke up and the trailer was spotless clean from fucking top to bottom, end to end, and side to side, and he was, he looks at me, and he's like, how the fuck can you sleep on this shit, I just looked at him, and I said, are you ever going to touch it again, he said, no, no fucking way, and as far as I know to this day, he has never touched it again, so, I've had people ask me, since what the worst one actually was my oldest son asked me what meth was like and I, I couldn't I couldn't explain it to him so I told him I was like I don't know how to explain it well I sat down for well, a couple of days later it hit me I was like you can't just tell your kid that and leave it like that because that kid is so much like me it's it's scary it really does scare the fuck out of me 
because he's so much like I was at that age. He's not as bad as I was, I don't think, because he really is a shitty liar, so I don't think he's as bad as I was. But I walked up to him a couple of days after he asked that question, and I said, hey, turd. That's what I've called him ever since he tried to eat a chocolate turd out of the toilet. I mean, out of the bathtub. He pooped. He pooped in the tub. It was the first time I was ever bathing him. The wife wasn't home. Pooped in the bathtub and tried to eat it. So I've called him turd ever since. But I said, turd. Um, you asked what it was like. And I couldn't answer. Well, I've thought about it. And I know how to answer that question now. And he's like, okay, well, what's it like then, Dad? I said, well, when you get up in the morning, what's the first thing you want to do? Well, I want to go have a piss, and then I want to get dressed, and have, maybe have a shower, then think about breakfast. I was like, scratch that, meth. He's like, what? I said, yeah, that's the first thing you're going to think about. <coughs> and he's like, okay. So, well, so once you've gotten yourself up and you're dressed and had your shower and you're ready to function for the day, what's the first thing you're thinking? And he's like, well, i got to think about what I have to do for the day and if I think of whether I had plans with somebody. I was like, nope, meth. He's like, what? I said, yeah, meth. That's all that ever goes through your head when you are an addict or something like that. It consumes your life was the only thing I could think. It was the only thing, it was the only way I could explain to him what it was like to be a junkie. But that's enough on that for now. Let's go back to, uh, so I was dating this girl. She lived about an hour and a half, two hours away from home. And she used to come out the odd weekend and we would go pick her up. And it started out that we'd go pick her up in Hillbilly's 84 Country Squire station wagon when she'd get in on the Greyhound bus. For those of you that don't know what a Greyhound bus is, you're too young to be listening to this podcast. <laughs> but they were big tour buses, basically, that you could buy a seat on and they'd take you where you wanted to go. And we'd go pick her up. Well, the one weekend she come out, this was when Fast and the Furious first came out. Well, we went, we picked her up, we went out, we saw the movie, and Hillbilly left that parking lot of the movie like he was driving in the movie but it was a great big old boat 1984 Country Squire station wagon two big thumping 15 inch subs in the back he was blowing the back windows out of it all the fucking time the car was stupid absolutely ridiculous if we went on a road trip in that car we'd make it 45 minutes out of town we would stop check the gas and fill the oil because the rear seal in that motor was fucked. He redid it two or three times and could never get it to seal properly. 
So that thing spewed more oil than it burned. And it spewed more oil than it burnt gas. But anyways, we'd go pick her up from the Greyhound station. And every time she'd phone and say, don't start drinking till I get there, boys. Because usually me, Hillbilly, and 45 would be together all the time. So when she'd come to town, we'd go pick her up. Well, 99% of the time, when we'd open the door so I could get out and give her a hug and a kiss, empty beer cans would fall out of the car as I fell out of the car. And every time, she would just shake her head and say, I fucking told you boys, wait for me. Then we'd go out and we'd go for a dinner and then we'd hit the bars. And if hillbilly was sticking around town we'd usually get two hotel rooms if he wasn't we'd just get one for me and her and the one night hillbilly left and didn't take 45 with him well we didn't have a second room well, 45 decided that he was going to try and have a threesome with me and her. And I just, I, I was having none of it. And then he goes into the bathtub to have a bath. I just used air quotes. I don't know why I talk with my hands on here. And we are going at it. We got finished up. I went into the bathroom to have a piss. Well, 45 is laying in the tub, naked cock is hard sticking right up out of the fucking water and his hands on it pretending to be sleeping uh maybe he wasn't pretending but I'm pretty sure he was jerking off listening to us the sick fuck (laughs) and I'm kind of jumping all over the place on this one I'm gonna let you hear another little one quick one about me and McQuagmire because this one is fucking hilarious so my mom was married to Stretch's dad and he had a little acreage outside of town (coughs) that actually brings up some more memories that acreage a little outside of town but he's always had uh, cigars out there, tucked away at the acreage. He worked overseas. He was he was a wireliner. Cancer took him out here about ten years ago, I think. Me and him had a lot of issues when I was a teenager, and he was around. But we 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 got that all settled before he passed away, and a lot of it was just I was a stubborn, pig-headed fucking kid, and he was old school like. A lot of you out there that believe that children should be seen and not heard. Well, I never did agree with that. And I made it very clear to him that I didn't agree with that. So, we butted heads quite a bit. But we were out, me and McQuagmire were out cruising around, having some beers, 
whatever. I wanted a cigar. I knew where there was some cigars. Figured, well, we'll go out and we'll break into the acreage. So we went out there, and me and him had been in a particularly nasty fight shortly before this. And there was an old house out there. So we broke into the house. Well, it wasn't really breaking in because I knew where the key was. So I went in, grabbed my cigars. We were sitting there having a drink, bullshitting. And the poop hit me. I had to poop hot bad. And McQuagmire's like, okay, well, I'll go have a dump. I'm like, well, I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it right in here, right on the kitchen floor. But it wasn't the kitchen, actually. It was the dining room. So I went over and I had a big shit on the dining room floor. And they had, he had silk curtains in the dining room. Well, let me tell you, you have not lived if you've never wiped your ass with silk. People say silk boxers are nice, silk underwear is nice, silk sheets are nice, but you know what's better than all of it? Silk shit tickets. The best thing when you're sitting there mad at somebody and you're shitting on their dining room floor smoking one of their cigars that you just took and a beer sitting on the table just close enough that you can reach it and have some more beer while you're having your shit then you dump a big pile of turds out of your ass and you reach behind you and grab the silk curtain and wipe your ass with silk you have not lived if you have never wiped your ass with silk and on that note don't walk a mile in my shoes because that won't impress me live 30 seconds in my head and you will understand why i am messed up northern boy and these are my tales